Hello, and welcome to the ARC Podcast. I'm Adam Sabados. On today's episode, Joy talks with Sally Clarkson, the author of The Life-Giving Home. This is a really great interview. I think Joy and Sally are kindred spirits, and I think you'll really enjoy listening to their conversation. To learn more about Sally's books, you can visit sallyclarkson.com, or you can look her up at tyndale.com. Now, enjoy this conversation between Joy and Sally. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with the concept of the life-giving home and then also the tagline of creating a place of belonging and becoming. Well, I, uh, I started out my uh, ministry journey when I was a single woman in communist Eastern Europe. And uh, I grew up in a home that my mom really uh, cultivated the beauty and fun and, and uh, food and feasting, all the wonderful things. And, but when I was in Eastern Europe, I remembered thinking, oh, I wish I had a home to go to where someone knew me and where I could have a home-cooked meal. And I just wished mm-hmm. for a friend that could help me through all of the challenging times I had in communist countries. And so it kind of um, began in my mind there, uh, my roommate and I, at the time, started inviting women uh, from all over the country secretly to our home because we were uh, having to keep our Christian meetings quiet and private. And uh, we would have 30 to 35 girls show up uh, on a weekend. Wow. And the food was scarce, but we would make tea and coffee and come up with something. And all of them would just kind of, their eyes would fill with tears, and they would say, no one has ever had me over. No one has ever... Uh, treated me like this before. Hmm. And so fast forward, and I um, eventually got married a number of years later and began having my children. And, and when I was actually holding my first little girl in my arms at the hospital, it was as though God whispered into my um, mind, this child will have implications for eternity. Hmm. She will have faith to live, a story to tell, love to give. And so it it was as though I kind of knew that the home that I created to uh, have her in and all the rest of the children that God would eventually give me and all the people that came into my home, I realized that I could make this sanctuary uh, a haven for life for everyone who would come in my door, a place that would hold people Mm -hmm. and encourage them and affirm them and comfort them where they were and give them a safe place to live in. And uh, so it began to take shape uh, many years ago when I was a single missionary and used my home, and then it continued to grow um, as I began having kids. Sally, that's beautiful. And I can say that as a young single woman, I have benefited from other families opening their homes and have really gotten to taste and see the Lord's love in a tangible way, a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. That's so neat. Well, and also probably you have a wonderful place to invite people to. I have a 31-year-old daughter who wrote the book with me who's living in a small cottage in Oxford, and it's uh, amazing. They fill their home every week with internationals and students, and uh, I think that all of us have a longing for home and community, that a kind of the lost community that people used to have when they knew their neighbors and when they fellowshiped with uh, aunts and uncles and cousins and children, and 
So I kind of am hoping that this book will revive a sense of the importance of us having personal friendships and personal communities. So um, mm-hmm. I, I kind of live where you are with all my grown kids, and um, we all are trying to extend this all over the world. Yes, yes, that's beautiful. And you do mention how, you know, your living space really is an environment where the joy and the beauty of God's own spirit can be. Now, what are some practical ways you make that happen? Because, of course, in theory, the spirit resides with us and is with us wherever we go. But I'm sure there are some things that you're very intentional about in your home. And um, I really am. I I think that uh, our family has never had, we have a great home right now, and people would call it our family home, but we've moved 17 times, um, six times internationally over all these years, and uh, I travel at least 20 to 25 weekends a year, so Mm. I try to take home with me wherever I go. But I think that uh, building a home requires somebody who imagines themselves to be a conductor of the life and goodness and truth and beauty of God in a place. And um, so whether I'm in a hotel room or whether I'm at home uh, or wherever I am, I have a real sense that I want to create kind of a place wherever people come to meet with me and and that I am in charge of their well-being and happiness for the time that they're with me as much as is Mm -hmm. possible. And so first of all, I, I have in my heart a commitment to looking at people when they come in my door and, and trying to assess what, uh, where are they, what are their needs, what, what can I do to encourage them or to welcome them. And then um, secondly, just practical things. I even I travel in my little suitcase. People think I'm crazy, but wherever <laughs> I go, I take a. We, I, I spoke in China many years ago in one of my books. I had a book tour. And so I picked up a bunch of these beautiful pashmina uh, scarves. So I take a little um, candle, and I take um, a scarf, and I take uh, two teacups and um, some dark salted chocolate almonds. (laughs) Mm -hmm. When when it comes in, I I put the pashmina on the table, light the candle, put on my little music. I have a speaker that I travel with. And then I say, let's have some time together. Mm-hmm. And let's visit with each other. So I think a lot of uh, conducting beauty and love in a in any life giving space, whether it's a, a dorm room or a tiny apartment or a huge home, it's the a heart that is prepared to uh, intentionally give and serve those who come into their atmosphere. Does that yes, make sense? It does. It does. And that it's a beautiful thing to bring home with you, like you were saying. And I think. Christ modeled this well in the Gospels, not having a home to call his own, but really embodying and residing in wherever he was. And people felt safe and um, protected when they were with him. So that's just, it's a good reminder of him and his presence also. Um, Now I'm thinking, now that your children are grown, how has that transition been from having little kids in the house running around and being a lot more probably stay at home and now to where you do travel quite a bit? How does home look different or maybe the same? Well, I think every family is different. Uh, fortunately for me, because I, my um, adult kids are really my best friends, mm. um, I've never been 
uh, Clay and I, my husband and I, have never had an empty home, an empty nest, because somebody is always moving back or mm-hmm. traveling from overseas or bringing their friends. Uh, we, In the past few weeks, we have had uh, one a man who's moving here to take a new job, uh, moving his family here, and he stayed with us for three weeks. And then while he was here, a young acoustic musician, a guy in his mid-30s, came and stayed for about five days. And we have... Uh, my husband has created a kind of a traveling acoustic musician concert hmm. in our um, church, and so we have about eight or ten musicians that come and stay with us every year. And so I think between that and our Bible studies and our kids and their friends and people that we love who live all over the world, uh, sometimes we have to schedule a blank week just so we hmm. can sleep. Yes. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's it's different because when I had four little ones in my home, there uh, we depended much more on daily uh, routines and rhythms that suited them. Uh, that breakfast and early morning devotional, and you know certain times of day that we cleaned up, and uh, the dinners at night we all sat together, and then bedtime blessings. So we we had kind of what I would call anchors in our days. Hmm where we would always be able to go back to. Whatever the schedule was, there were anchors that we would go back to and practice every day so that uh, our children knew a sense of stability and security and blessing every morning when they awakened and blessing every night when they went to bed. But the funny thing is is we we really still keep the routines in in an Hmm. odd sort of way. Um, You know, people can be seen all over the house uh, having quiet times and a cup of tea or coffee and uh, reading their book or reading the Bible and early mornings. And um, we always kind of flurry around and straighten up the house at 5 o'clock like we always did uh, <laughs> in the afternoons, and then we always have a meal together. So uh, in some ways it has changed, but in other ways some of the routines and anchors in our day have given us grace. We also are real believers in tea time. Uh, mm-hmm. We lived overseas for a long time, and so we think it's very civilized to stop about three, but sometime between three or four o'clock in the afternoon to have some kind of wonderful caffeine. <laughs> yes. A 15-minute, you know, uh, just time together. So these are some of the routines we still carry on that we had when our children were little. Hmm. Yes, in your book you talk about seasons of the home and in January about the routines and rhythms and rituals, you know, that you just spoke of. And you mention an acronym that you and your husband spoke about, the first acronym. Can you explain that a little bit for us? The um, Family Information Rest Stuff and Time. And that was, you go on to say, that um, it was just important to recognize your own needs in your own personal life and then make sure that, you know, your family got what you needed. Well, I can actually speak to it now that I know which one you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that I just needed, again, every January. I like Januarys because it's it's this opportunity, it's permission to start over again. It's like Mm -hmm. Anna Green Gables. Today has no uh, mistakes in it yet. So um, I would always go away uh, someplace private by myself and take my journal and assess, okay, how can I organize my home this year and simplify it? Because you always kind of have to pull back in in January. And so I would just first 
try to consider the season that my family was in, what what are their needs, their demands. Uh, you can only have so many drainers in your life at once. Yes. So you have to identify what is the what are the drainers in your life. How can you simplify or eliminate some of them? So I would just say, what are the needs of the family? They're my priority. Uh, what are their lessons? Their I mean, in terms of the, you know, the activities they have outside the home or inside the home. And, and so I plan that first because that's the center part of my life. And then um, information, oh, my goodness, I'm terrible about that. My husband is much better. Hmm. Uh, information is uh, your emails, your mail, uh, your um, all of the messages that are coming our hmm. way. How do you control the stacks and the papers and the receipts, and uh, I always have to dig out and throw away in January because with my traveling schedule, I never catch up. I always say, well, and sometime when I have mm-hmm. a free week, I'm really going to go through those piles of papers. So mm-hmm. if I don't throw them away in January, they may um, catch the house on fire and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> problem for me sometime mm-hmm. later. So information is the next thing. Um, rest, I feel like because we are constantly giving out constantly on a regular basis people are always drawing from us and taking energy and time and resources and so i really have to plan in uh for instance i have a every saturday for many years saturday morning i have this little tiny french cafe downtown where i would take one of my daughters and then there are these uh, few streets of old victorian houses and so i know that i'm not going to do anything on saturday morning but have fun and go to my little cafe with either my daughters or a friend, and then I'm going to go walking, and it's going to be fun. I have to plan uh, Sundays to, uh, you know, we have Sunday afternoon tea times, but we plan uh, to refresh in a group. I, um, a couple of years ago, someone gave me a massage coupon, and I extended it, and I had at least one massage every month because mm. um Writing books, I would. <laughs> I've been writing a lot of books in the past few years, and my shoulders would become terrible. So, we have to rest, and a part of rest to me too. And this may seem like a funny concept, but I feel like we have to declutter our souls. Mm. I don't think we can have peace inside our hearts sometimes, unless we kind of show a spotlight inside and go, uh, "What am I? What guilt am I carrying? What What do I feel bad about that I did last year? Mm. I need to get rid of that because." It steals from me in my day-to-day life, and maybe what do I have unforgiveness in my heart or bitterness, or um, is there anything I need to declutter in my heart mm. so that I can also just be at peace with God and at peace with my world? So that would be the rest part. And then the stuff is, oh, my goodness, thank goodness my husband is a declutter. <laughs> 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 but just to, to throw out clothes and... Uh, little things that you got for Christmas that you'll never use to give to Goodwill or to give to somebody as a gift. And then uh, and, and just that decluttering, that uh, making a time to do it, a Saturday morning or whatever, and knowing that you'll never get it all done, but just mm-hmm. making an effort to, to do what matters the most to you. Last year, uh, one of my sons was home, and, and he's just really got great taste. And so we decided three weeks before I had this, big meeting in my home where women were coming from all over the United States. We call them intensives. Um, We literally repainted all of my living room area, took all the pictures off, and because uh, I had 
some new things in my home because my parents had died. And we took all the pictures off, repainted mm. uh, some new carpet. And in three weeks, we had such a new-feeling home in our old home that it has served me well all year. So wow. getting rid of a lot of the stuff, putting in the garage, only bringing back in the house what I really wanted, and painting the walls, I feel like I bought a new home. <laughs> yes. So uh, making you know plans for your stuff. And then time has to be managed. Really, we overcommit, and we are looking at our computers, and we do all of this work, but oftentimes we um, forget to include personal time, to make time for people, to make time for friends, to make time so that we can feel loved because we've provided a space for a friend to come into. And so those, I hope that gives you kind of an idea of some of what I do in January to just consider how to have a new start for the year. Absolutely. And each one of those is so important and applicable to every person. And I can attest to all of them, but particularly to time in overbooking myself and trying to be as efficient as possible, but not recognizing that at some point the interactions with people or the work I do suffers because there's just too much of it. So it really is important to make those priorities. And like you said, January is one of the best times to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so with that said, um, can you tell us a little bit about Memorial Stones and what's, how that's been meaningful for your family? Well, uh, a number of years ago, uh, Clay was reading through Joshua where he talked about uh, after uh, they uh, had, in, it talks about it in, in the book of Joshua, where they had seen God do a miracle by parting the water a second time for the Israelites, Israelites to be able to walk through. And he commanded that the men that were there would place these huge boulders, memorial stones, so that they would always remember the goodness of God that he had protected them. Hmm. And so we decided that we wanted our children to have a sense of our family history. And so every year, and it's in August for our family because that's when Clay and I got married, Mm-hmm. We have what we call Family Day, and we fly the kids from all over, wherever they are. We plan it, even if it has to be in June, <laughs> uh, like this year. But we fly everybody together, and uh, we spend a whole day together. I mean, we start out with a breakfast feast and have lots of fun. And, and um, you know, uh, I make homemade cinnamon rolls and our favorite eggs. And then we take pen and paper and sit around. We read the story of Joshua. And then we all begin pondering, how have we seen God work in our lives in the last year? And some years when we've had really hard years, we would think, oh, I don't know if we're going to come up with anything. But once we sat down and began to think about it and pray about it, we could see so many ways that God had been faithful, uh, some way he provided, whether it was some money or a friend or an opportunity or something that we needed and so we've been doing this for many years, and we have a book of memories of the memorial stones of the ways that God has worked in our last year so that we can say, God, we want to see your reality, your goodness, your affirmation in our lives in the next year. And then we go hiking in the mountains and have this traditional fried chicken lunch and go out mm. to a coffee place afterwards and watch a movie that night. But it's kind of just to say... You know, whoever is in our home, 
it becomes a part of our family, and we celebrate life together, and together we look for the fingerprints of God's in our God in our lives, so that we can keep having hope for the next year. Hmm, that is beautiful, and how beautiful it is to do it as a unit, as a family. It's important to do it personally, but I think if you get, you know, your husband and your children all together, then it's you're keeping each other accountable. You have momentum throughout the year, and um, it's really something that can bring you all together. And it makes me think of your involvement with Mom Heart. And I'm wondering if, you know, you can tell us a little bit about Whole Heart Ministries and your involvement and your vision to encourage mothers. Because often mothers do spend a lot of time at home nurturing the children. And um, I'd love for you to just share a little bit more about that. Well, I really, I, uh, I think that Scripture is so clear, two are better than one. Mm. Woe to the one who has no one to lift him up. And so no matter if you are um, a single mom or a married mom or whoever um, in our ministry, we focus on moms, but we also, as I said, have so many single women in our lives because of our kids, single men and women. Mm-hmm. And I really think that a woman in her own home without support systems or friends becomes a target for Satan. Mm. Uh, he can make us feel isolated and lonely and discouraged and as though God doesn't hear our prayers. And so um, I think that because of my past in discipleship ministry, uh, my husband and I talked about wanting to start kind of a support group, a support system, so that we could encourage and train moms to start small groups right where they are. And I want to encourage moms, even who are listening to this uh, podcast today, because because I've moved so many times, I've always had to start every group I've ever been a part of. Hmm. In other words, you don't wait for someone else to start a group. You, Whether it's one mom or ten moms, you find a, a coffee shop or in your home and you say, you know what, let's meet and let's, um, let's be a support system to each other. And I have had Bible studies in the back of each one of my books that I've written so that if a mom wants to either use it as a devotional or if she wants to use it um, as a point of reference for discussion for a small group, mm-hmm. that you have to do is, uh, you know, light a candle, put out some kind of a little drink or something, you know, coffee, tea, a, a snack. And I usually have people bring snacks to my house. I have a Bible study in my home. And then begin systematically going through some of the chapters of the books and, building fellowship, praying with each other, uh, doing something special in the year. We have a Christmas party, and then we have a summer tea time. And um, I've noticed that wherever I've gone and started these groups, those people become my best friends because we are accountable to each other as friends and also to spiritually encourage each other. So we have a Facebook page for Mom Heart Groups, and uh, we have people who have uh, – we've had 20 years of Mom Heart Conferences uh, mm-hmm. where – we rent a hotel, and, and we, um, I told my husband it had to have chocolate and <laughs> in a hotel so I could have clean sheets um, mm-hmm. that none my children had slept in. And we have a nice luncheon, and I said, we have to have all speakers that are very grace-oriented and inspirational, no guilt allowed. And so we've been doing these conferences for 20 years, and as a result of that, we have amazing uh, women all over the world who come and help us and who do registration and pray with people and, and um, distribute books and, and do fun things. And then many of these people have their own Bible studies in their homes 
and mm. or they run our our blog, our podcasts, our ministry, and then a lot of them have started little uh, yearly retreats in their areas where they gather with women at a hotel and get away and uh, have fun and pray together and encourage each other. So we just wanted to start a, a movement of small groups so that moms could gather and intentionally become a part of what God created them to be. Hmm. That is beautiful. And to have mothers and women in particular have that support system, even for some reason they don't have it directly in the home, to have other sisters in Christ check in with them and be supportive to them is really important. Um, and just one last thing, Sally, if you could tell us a little bit, um, well, two more things, a little bit about the companion resource for mm-hmm. life-giving home, because that touches on what you can do in your own home um, as a companion. And then also how we can, um, if any of our listeners want to keep up with you and read your blog or keep up with you on social media, how they might do that. Okay. Well, I I think I have uh, mentioned a minute ago that I used to put Bible studies in the back of my chapters of my books. And now in the past couple of books, Own Your Life and also... Um, the Life-Giving Home, we have the Life-Giving Home experience. And in that book, uh, we have uh, lots of new stories. We have resources we've used in our home from books to movies to ideas for traditions. But also, we wanted to provide a place where women could write for themselves. Hmm. Uh, what do I need to organize this year? What do I need to do this month? But, you know, how will I celebrate birthdays? And so I love the Life-Giving Home experience. Um, Bible study guide because I think it will really help women who've read the book and even women in small groups to kind of sit in their home and have, you know, God will have access to their brain and to really pray through, Lord, how how can I plan this year? How can I uh, change? What do I need to shift? And to give verses and questions to help them think through how to be really intentional in their plan. So, I love it. I my son actually helped me write it because um, we were on a trip, a long trip together, and with my daughter, when we were writing the whole book. And he said, "You know, we should put some of these ideas into uh, a Bible study guide and journal so that women can have." So he helped us think through a lot of traditions, and hmm. he's a great Bible student. So I think it's an amazing resource. And um, I do a lot of things online, but the main place where you can find me is at sallyclarkson.com. That is a blog that I write on every day, and uh, or most days. And then I have a, a, a another blog that a friend helps me use for moms, for mom heart groups, and that's momheart.com. And then I have a podcast that I have been uh, promoting on iTunes called At Home with Sally. And so those are three places where people can find me. Hmm. That's excellent, Sally. I've looked at all three places and have personally benefited and I'm very inspired because, like I said, not having a family of my own now, these are things I can both aspire to and then start practicing now, being a host, a hostess and having friends or people who... Um, don't have a place to be or to go. And like I said also at the beginning, I've benefited so much from other families taking me in. I live far away from my family, so I don't get to see them very often. And holidays sometimes are hard 
to get home or to feel included. So I just, I think that this book will really touch a lot of people like it's touched me. And um, I'm really excited for the release. And I'm just so thankful we got to talk today. Me too. Well, you, you must come to my house someday for a cup of yes. tea. We'll have a, a grand time getting to know each other. <laughs> yes. Sally, I do respect and admire you, and you are very much respected and admired here at Tyndale. So everyone has nothing but good things to say. Oh, well, I, so, I'm just so happy to be writing with your wonderful group. So thank you for this time together. Yes, of course. Enjoy the rest of your day, Sally. Hey, you too. Okay. Bye. Bye.